All right, on the podcast today, we have Coleman Joyner. He is the head football coach at Whitfield Academy in Smyrna, Georgia. Uh, It's a great conversation, a lot of wisdom, and I know you will love listening to this podcast. All right, we got Coach Joyner on the podcast today. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, we talked a little bit before, and man, I, I, I'm jazzed up to have you on here and uh, talk a little bit about yourself and you know your background. And you're the head coach at Whitfield Academy at, at the moment. Um, just if you don't mind, talk about your background and kind of what got you there. Yeah, absolutely. So, like you said, I'm I'm a head football coach right now at Whitfield Academy. We're in Smyrna. Uh, you can you can send my mail to Mableton too. We kind of sit right on the line of Smyrna and Mableton, just north of Atlanta. Um, I've been here now for four, th- four years. I just finished my third season as head football coach. Um, before that, uh, I spent three years at Sprayberry High School uh, in East Cobb and Marietta. Um, and then before that, I, uh, where I got into coaching, I coached for five years um, at my alma mater, Campbell High School here in Smyrna. Um, and really just how I got into coaching was uh, I obviously played at Campbell and, and I played for some really good coaches Phil Ironside who was at Hillgrove High School he's now at Worth County I played for Kyle Hockman for two years he was at McEachern High School now he's at uh, New Hampstead and then I played for Sean Campbell um, who when he left Campbell he coached with Ed Dudley for a while and now he's the head coach in Florida um, but I coached for some really good head coaches so as I was playing I um uh, I was one of those guys who I could see the expiration date on my athletic ability. Um, and so as much as I wanted to keep playing, I, I just knew realistically um, those days were going to end sooner than later. So I just had some conversations with um, those coaches. And, and one of them I remember told me that they thought I would be, um, I could be a pretty good football coach one day. And, and I'm sure anyone listening to this who, who started coaching at a young age um, the response to that is, how do you even get into coaching? Like, mm-hmm. um, what does that look like? And and so I was fortunate enough that my position coach, um, TK died. I played quarterback. Um, he became the head football coach uh, at Campbell High School the same spring that I was graduating. And um, and so he told me that if, if I stayed local, um, that he would give me a spot on the staff. And so I ended up going to Kennesaw State University um, and – uh, I coached ninth grade for him for two years, but but what was probably really big during those two years coaching for him was he allowed me um, to to be fully involved on Friday nights. I was in the press box um, spotting coverages on Friday nights. Um, and so while I coached the ninth grade team, um, called plays for the ninth grade team those two years, um, I still got to be around um, that varsity staff and kind of learn what it looks like on Fridays. And so um, I started coaching at 18. Um, in Cobb County, you're not really allowed uh, to start coaching until you're 21. So I was kind of doing that under the radar. Um, we won't tell anybody, Coach. Yeah, right, yeah. Well, we're all good now. I'm <laughs> past that. I think I've got like a, a little bit of immunity at this point. But uh, uh, TK left um, Campbell, and so then a guy named Harris Rainbow um, came in at Campbell, and and I remember the first phone call I had with him to kind of interview I wanted to stay on staff I thought I was done I was like there's no way this guy's not going to let a, a 19 year old um, keep coaching I'm not, I'm not supposed to be here I'm not supposed to be allowed to do this and and so we met and, and 
he actually uh, was a guy that just, he got into coaching in a very similar way. And, and so we sat down and said, if you're going to coach for me, we're going to do it the right way. And so we went through the county, got special approval. And then he said, you're not coaching ninth grade. You're going to learn how to work. And so mm. um, he said, I'm going to put you on the varsity staff and, and I'm going to teach you how to watch film. I'm going to teach you how to break down film and, and play in practices. And, and, uh, and I love that stuff. And so mm. uh, I coached quarterbacks. Uh, that first year for him, um, and then the second year is when he really started to get me acclimated. I coached um, tight ends and tackles that second year, and that was probably the uh, the biggest year in my coaching career in terms of learning. Um, mm-hmm. Because I've heard a few guys say on your podcast, I mean, you can coach receivers, you can coach quarterbacks, you can coach DBs, but uh, you go coach that line of scrimmage, um, it's a whole different world. Yes, sir. Uh, and so for, for a young guy like myself, I thought I knew, uh, I mean, you, I'm watching football every weekend thinking I'm, I know the, the latest and greatest and most explosive. And, but I, I got down and worked with that offensive line and worked with a great offensive line coach, Phil Sanford. Um, and I learned more football that year um, than I may have all the rest of the years combined. And so I did that. And then uh, he moved me to running backs um, the next year. Uh, and so I coached just about every level uh, on our offensive staff. And then, unfortunately, we were uh, we were asked to uh, discontinue coaching at Campbell. We, um, the, the administration decided to move in a different direction. Um, and so I was graduating uh, from Kennesaw State that, uh, that spring. And so that's when I interviewed and went on with uh, Billy Shackleford at Sprayberry. Um, and we ran – at Campbell, we ran the wing tee out of the gun. We, we were just kind of fooling those kids that we were spread, but we ran the wing tee. Um, Absolutely. And, and so when I got to Sprayberry, we were um, – Coach Shaq was – he was one of the first guys in Cobb County to exclusively go to the gun, run the spread. So that's what we did. We were zone read, speed option. Um, everything was based off the four verticals uh, in the passing game. Mm. And so – uh, went there, coached quarterbacks for him for three years, became a co-offensive coordinator, um, didn't call plays for him, but again, continued to learn. And I think just what um, what happened those eight years is I was just so drawn to the leadership position that was the head coach. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just like when I was playing uh, while I was coaching, I mean, I wanted to be around those guys all the time. I wanted to sit in a booster club meeting. I wanted to – I wanted to sit in their office when they had to deal with a player or a parent. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to watch them lead. Um, and that made me want to uh, become a head football coach. And I knew um, I'd like to be one sooner than later. And so I need to soak up um, as much as possible. And, and so after that third year at Sprayberry, um, Coach Shaq ended up taking the job at East Paulding. And mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, I had a mutual friend of mine tell me that, um, hey, Whitfield Academy is looking for a head football coach. And I was 25 at the time, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, private school, single A, Campbell 7A, Sprayberry 6A. I'm like, I don't know if, if private school, I don't know if single A football, if that's something I'm interested in. He's like, well, why don't you just go meet with the AD? So I had a, I, I called him and, and had a conversation with him. He brought me in and, um, and I ended up interviewing and not getting the job. Um, but he uh, he asked if I would still come work at the school. The, the guy that I ended up working for um, was an older guy getting closer to retirement. Um, he said, hey, um, I like your energy. 
I think you could really help us here uh, come on. And, and so I ultimately decided to do that. Um, and I worked for John Hunter for a year here at Whitfield. Um, totally fell in love with the school um, in this community. Uh, when I got here, we're a, if you don't know much about us, we're a, we're a private Christian school, um, mm -hmm. college prep school. And so uh, we value our high academics and, and we want to strive for academic excellence, but um, we are a true Christ-centered school. And so everything kind of revolves around um, that mission. And so during our first year, um, about midway through the season, um, Coach Hunter, uh, they thought that he would be uh, here for maybe three or four more years. About midway through the year, he, he looked at me on a bye week and said, hey, uh, this is my last year as a head coach. So let's. Uh, oh, shoot. OK. <laughs> he said, so everyone else will find out here later. But uh, why don't you go ahead and start getting ready? Um, mm. And so he kind of silently turned some things over to me. And, and again, I just worked closely with him. And at the end of that season, he he stepped down um, and uh, and I re-interviewed for the job and, and was fortunate enough to get it at 26. I know the school took a huge um, awesome. leap of faith on me. I was totally not ready, uh, but I was fired up and excited. And, and we've had a, we've had a little bit of success the last three years. And, and I know I'm having a blast um, doing the work, but uh, we're still a growing program. And, and, uh, and I think our best days are ahead of us. But it's been a fun journey. That's awesome. I remember one of the things I remember from your Twitter is looking at y'all practicing at like 6 a.m. Did y'all do that some? No, we, we practiced at 6 a.m. on Thursdays. Um, okay. That was one thing I, I can't remember who I, I got that from, but we played, Jay, we're a smaller school. And so we, we, um, we dress out about 50 guys and, and that includes our JV guys. And so they play on Thursday afternoons and, um, and we, uh, so we practice at 6 a.m. on Thursdays, let those older guys who don't play JV go home after school. Um, and then we, those JV guys kind of get their own game day mm -hmm. experience. Um, we also, I thought you were going to say this year, uh, due to COVID, we didn't get to have our team camp, but we decided to do our, our midnight practice. Um, oh, we, I did see that. That was that too. Okay. On August 1st, we did our little midnight madness and, and uh, that was a lot of fun. How do you feel about that? I know like in the past I've been like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that, but you're, you're perking my interest here. Like what made you want to do that? What were the, the positives of it? I guess. So uh, it was something we did every year at Sprayberry. Um, and we made it a community event. I mean, we, we let the school know, the parents know, um, we, we opened the concession stand, we had the music playing. Um, and it just, it was a, it was just, it was a spectator friendly uh, planned out practice, um, but it was always a big success uh, when I was there. And so it was not something I was interested in doing here, but you know, we usually go away for football camp. Um, and, and obviously like a lot of people, um, even though we were, we were fortunate to get to do something, we had to scrap a lot of our plans. And, and so we were, we were just trying to find some way to kind of pique the interest of our community and, and get, keep our kids engaged and excited. Um, going into the fall and so kind of a uh, mid-summer we, we decided hey let's let's try and do this and so August 1st is the uh, the first day you can practice in Georgia and, and I don't know if anyone else did too but I told our kids we're going to be the first ones in the entire state to practice and so we practiced Heck yeah 1201 and, uh, and like I said we a lot of our families came out again if it wasn't uh, if we weren't in this COVID season I, I think we would have had a lot more people but uh 
it went really well. And then the next day we had practice scheduled and it was not as good. Um, oh, I, I can only imagine. Yeah. I got home at, at three 30 and, um, and then we had practice. Um, I think we had scheduled it for like noon, but it, that day was just a wash. The kids kind of mm-hmm. drug in, but we got through it. And the next day we were rolling. So. Heck yeah. That's awesome, man. Talk a little bit about like how Georgia handled um, this year with, with COVID and, um, like, what did y'all, how could y'all, you know, y'all play all 10 games? And for people that don't know, like, how was, how did that get handled in the state of Georgia? Yeah. So I, I think, like most states um, in the spring, um, everything was pretty high strung. I mean, stuff was getting scrapped mm-hmm. left and right. And, and there were a lot of question marks, especially once you got through March and you realized, hey, we're not going back in April. Hey, we're not going back in May. You started to wonder, because um, I remember my ad said hey some people are are thinking we may not play and i was hearing the, and i'm like there's no way but the, the further you got into the spring closer to the summer i mean it started to feel like this season might actually not happen and um and that was that was frightening but i thought that um georgia high school did a great job um, of being patient like i don't, I don't think um uh, i think they wanted to avoid any um, kind of just sudden or rash decisions. And so we slowly uh, got back into things. Um, they didn't, that I think we went back middle of June and they didn't okay. make the announcement until the beginning of June. Um, and so they were trying to just slowly make these decisions. And, um, and so I think that benefited us because um, I, I kind of follow kind of what you guys had going on there. And I think if you, if you look at projections and you look into the future, I mean, it's easy to just say, hey, let's not do this. Uh, but if you kind of move a little slower and, and follow trends at that rate instead of like yeah. what it would be like in six months or whatever, um, I think that's what really got us going. And so we were, the summer definitely did not look like um, normal. We didn't lift weights um, until the middle of July. Uh, so we got our guys back in the middle of June. It was all outdoor conditioning. You could not, no equipment, no footballs, no anything. Um, mm. Middle of July, they let us put, um, I mean, they let us, I think they let us get a football out, um, still limited groups, smaller groups. Uh, and then we didn't get to put helmets on until that last week in July going into the fall. And then um, mm. and then it was, it was a different uh, sort of year to lead. Um, we played nine of 10 games we had uh, we had one team opt out of the season, and so that's why we ended up with nine teams. Um, but we, I mean, we had a game that um, we were hosting school on a Friday night at, at about 1.30 that afternoon, um, got a call that they weren't coming. Uh, mm. So we scrambled, and I tried to get a game that night. I tried to get a game the next day, and we ultimately had a bye week the following week. We were able to replace it, but um, mm-hmm. I mean, there were times where it got a little dicey and, and we were fortunate not to have any um, cases in our program. We had some contact tracing on campus that, that cost us a few guys um, at different times during the year. But, um, but looking back on it, um, it definitely wasn't as bad, especially because we got to play. I mean, in the playoff, yeah. there were no hiccups. I don't think anybody in the playoffs in Georgia had to cancel or forfeit. Um, and again, I think it was just, um, I think the leadership in Georgia did a great job of the goal was to play. Um, the goal was to keep kids safe 
And if we can play, we want to have a season. And so they approached everything and, um, and kind of implemented measures with that in mind. It was never out of fear. It was all out of, hey, let's, let's, let's stay in front of it. Let's keep these kids safe. But they, they need to be in school. They need to be on these fields. And, and so um, uh, we're getting ready to even finish mm-hmm. uh, a pretty successful basketball season where yeah. teams are playing all their games and going to the playoffs. So um, I think they've done a great job here. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Um, talk a little bit. You said, you know, you, you coach like in a spread offense. Is that your philosophy at Whitfield, like your spread, uh, like RPO zone read, or kind of how, how do you do that at, at Whitfield Academy? Yeah, so um, I'm a little bit of both. I, I took a little bit of both. Coach Rainbow, uh, when he was a wing tee guy, he was a Jeff Heron guy. Um, and then we obviously, he, we were in the gun doing that stuff uh, when I coached him. And, and then we were straight spread um, doubles inside zone with, with Coach Shaq. And so um, both of those really gave me a, a great um, knowledge base to, to start trying to to define my own philosophy. And, and so sure. I would say, I think the term I hear all the time that probably best fits us is like power spread. Like we, yeah. we we're going to be in the gun. Um, I would love to be under center. We tried it my second year in the spring. Um, and we've like, it's just, I, I, uh, I, I'm more and more impressed with, with guys like Blessed Trinity and Altoon and those guys that that do that every every snap just just mm-hmm. getting the quarterbacks and running it's a totally different um set of fundamentals so we we just weren't comfortable there and so after the spring we said let's just get back in the gun we're gonna if you saw us we're gonna be uh 20 personnel uh, almost the entire game uh, we've got a pretty good tight end right now so we'll get in some 11 and 21 um but we want to do a lot of two back stuff um mm-hmm mostly power and, and outside zone. We'll do a little bit of inside zone. Um, and then you mentioned RPOs. Um, yeah, I think that's something that I'm, I'm learning more and more sure. uh, right now. Of, uh, just, I think it's an easy way to protect a high school quarterback because you're not always gonna have, uh, most of the time, you're not gonna have these, uh, these just dynamic college uh future college quarterbacks um mm-hmm. most schools are going to have just really solid uh guys at that position so um like right now i've got i've got two guys that we play one's one's more of a dual threat and um mm-hmm. got a got a big arm but but kind of drill them in some of the ones a, a really intelligent efficient guy that's not going to blow you away with that athleticism but he's going to make great decisions and so Mm. um we kind of adapt our we've kind of adapted our scheme every year um around those guys and what we do best and um we had a we had a thousand yard receiver for the first time ever this past year and so we threw the ball more we had a guy that we could get it to and make plays and be a little bit more explosive um in the past we've always had a a tailback uh that we can get to um, 15, 20, 25 times a game. Um, but we want to run the ball. I think I learned that, especially, I feel like I'm, I'm different than most young offensive coaches. Is, um, I don't value as much being explosive um, as much as I do kind of controlling the football yes. game. I think if you can yes. stay on the ground, if you can take care of the football, um, I think obviously your, your chances of winning are much much higher and so mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like that gives us the best chance to, to win even if you have a, a guy a quarterback and a guy in the skill position that can be explosive I think 
you learn to you, you infuse that in what you're doing. But but we'll always try and run the ball first, um, control the clock. Um, even this year, we went to a no huddle, but we weren't we weren't going to try and tempo you all all game. We wanted to get lined right. up, get in a good look, and, and again just control the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I had a coach tell me the other day. Sometimes it's just about getting first downs, man. Like that's it. You know, four, four, three, first down. You know, like yeah. make sure you keep, you keep the ball. That's awesome. Um, how does your defensive philosophy play with that? Like, what do you like to do on that? Side? So I, I think um, I've been fortunate enough being an offensive guy to, to have some really good defensive coaches. Um, so John Hunter, the guy I worked for when I first got here, um, was um, a defensive guy. He ran four two five. Um, and and we were really good. I think we gave up nine points a game. Um, that year he was the head coach. I worked for him and then I think we gave up 12 points a game. He worked as my DC, um, kind of 49% employee, um, when I first took the job. And and so he was really comfortable in that. I like it, uh, just because again, I think you've got to control the line of scrimmage. Mm. And so I want to have, I want to, I want to give an offense a four-man service as much as possible, um, especially in high school. Um, I think when you get to college and the NFL, you got bigger bodies, more athletic defensive linemen that can do a lot of different things. But I mean, for us, we're not going to have um, those big prototype guys, and, and so um, just giving giving offenses more to deal with at the point of attack um, is is really important to me. And, and again, I think you got to win the win the game running the ball. You got to win the game stopping the run. And, um, mm. and so we ran a four, two, five, uh, when he ultimately retired, I brought in, uh, Justin Kruger from Wesleyan, mm. um, and he was a three, four guy. And, and, uh, what worked out well for that is we had talked about John and I trying to get into some more, um, three man fronts. Uh, but it's because we have enough, we have a, uh, prototypical nose now, um, mm. six, six, five, 360 pounds. And, and oh man, basketball. I mean, he's. He's that guy. And so um, that's worked out well for us, but we still kind of um, Mm -hmm. kind of the deal with bringing him in was, Hey, let's still try and roll down, um, get Mm -hmm. into more four man fronts. We, we, our Wolf linebacker is more that strong side, bigger body. Um, Mm -hmm. He's going to play on the line of scrimmage um, 60, 70% of the time. Um, And then we want to be just really sound in the secondary. We run a lot of cover three, um, Mm -hmm give some quarters, but we, we want to, uh, we just want to keep things in front of us. And, and again, just be in position. I think that's where at our level, we've got almost all of our guys playing both ways um, on a Friday night. And so you've got to give them fewer things to learn um, mm-hmm. and, and just give them more that they can master. And so um, your best guy on offense is usually going to be your best guy on defense here. And uh, so we just want to get those guys in position to, to play fast and play smart. And, um, and, and we feel like we can do that here with just being simple. And, and I, yeah. I hear you guys talking about being the best defense. We can, we can be in base all the time. We're set mm-hmm. and we're not fortunate enough to do that. Um, we, we like to send guys and, and do some mm-hmm. things, but we, we want to be just really simple and sound on defense mm-hmm. and, and um, again, win games, trying to control that line of scrimmage. Oh, no doubt, man. That's it. I mean, like you were talking about, you're playing guys both ways. It's not you get to you don't get to like game plan as much because you can't oh. talk to them during the game. They're playing the other side, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah. I mean, that's like, people are like, Oh, I have this big game plan. I'm like, I don't know about that. Not at small schools. I mean, you get to talk to them at halftime a little bit, but you don't, you don't get to do a whole lot. You know, no, I, like, get, I, get my quarterback, I get my quarterback some on the sidelines and that's really it. Maybe. Yeah. Those guys are playing. No doubt. What's your special teams philosophy? Are you like a riverboat gambler? Or are you more conservative? No, I would say conservative. So that, again, okay. it's just something that uh, I, I listen to to Coach Guest, and it's very similar. That um, in the past, when I was an assistant coach, we when I was at Sprayberry, we had Rodrigo Blankenship, so we had a great kicker. Oh wow. shoot! And so we're kicking it in the end zone when we cross the fifty. We're kicking a field goal. Mm. Um, we're we're he's he's punting well enough that we're covering it every time, um, and you just don't have that. Um, most places. And, and so um, we, uh, we've, we've been fortunate to have uh, some talented skill guys that, uh, that we've been pretty good in the, the return game. Um, mm -hmm. here. But like, like I said, like coach Guest was saying, um, the most important ones are, are kickoff and, and punt. And because those are the ones you, you can give up points on and, and, and those can swing momentum um, in mm -hmm. the game so so easily. And so, um, we don't have a kicker right now. We haven't had a kicker in the last couple of years. It can get in the end zone. So we've started to uh, on kickoff. We, we try to sky kick it, pooch it. Um, I don't like to squib it as much. Um, the first, It was a good thing for us. Uh, we opened this season. Uh, the team we were playing against tried to squib it on us, and we returned it for a touchdown on the very first uh, kickoff. Return. Oh, man, so, I hear you. Um, and so I'm like, man, even that is not something we want to do. Um, but, again, we uh, – the guys that I have um, coordinate special teams, they'll put in a fake every once in a while. I don't know if we've ever run one um, mm -hmm. because again, I just, I, I feel like you can, you, you can win games on special teams by not making mistakes and you can lose mm -hmm. games trying to be too yeah. cute. And, and, uh, yeah. and so we definitely don't want to be the latter. And, and so we just want to, again, take care of the football and, um, and kind of live to see another drive and, and not cost us on that. That's awesome, man. That's good. Coach, as we land this uh, this sucker, talk a little bit about you know the advice you would give to a guy. I mean, you are still a young coach, but like right. a guy trying to get into it, like what is some advice that you wish you knew as you were starting to get into the profession? You know, I think um, one thing I, I'm and and like you said, I'm still young. Um, I'm 29 years old. I'm still learning, um, but I, I think not just valuing who you work for. I've worked for some really good head football coaches. Mm -hmm. um, but I also looking back on it, guys, I still talk to today. Um, soak up as much as you can from guys you're getting to work with. Um, mm -hmm. that, that these assistant coaches that you're working alongside, mm -hmm. um, they, they, a lot of them have the same aspirations, the same goals. Um, and, and like right now, there's a handful of guys that are head coaches as well that I've, I had the privilege of working next to. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And sometimes you can learn more from those guys than, than the head coach um, mm -hmm. because you're spending more time um, with those other assistant coaches. And so I would say just um, value those relationships. Uh, don't kind of put yourself in, in your own little bubble um, as you're trying to pursue your own goals. Um, kind of understand that you're probably in lockstep with a lot of different guys that are on that same staff and, and you guys can help each other more than uh, than you might think. Uh, and then just be patient. I hear it all the time, um, listening to all these different podcasts. Um, and I was fortunate to get an opportunity 
uh, at a really young age, but just be patient. Don't, don't sacrifice, um, don't sacrifice maybe the long term uh, for just trying to get um, that head coach and Tyler, just trying to get that chance. Um, mm-hmm. I think I heard on one podcast the other day uh, that, that you're going to become a head coach by either being loyal and, and sticking around long enough, long enough to gain the trust of somebody, or you're going to take a job that nobody else wants. Um, mm. And so that ha- that happens a lot. And, and I remember even before I got this job, it was always like, man, um, I, I'd go be a head coach anywhere. Now I understand that it's, it's not, um, I, I might want to be an assistant coach again somewhere else um, rather than being a head coach in a lot of places. Um, and, and, and I'm fortunate to be at a place that we've got a great administration and a great community, um, but it's not always like that everywhere. And, and so you just kind of got to grow where you are and, and just feed off of everything you're getting to be around and all the people you're getting to work with. Um, but be patient and just trust, um, just trust that, that God is, uh, he's going to kind of move you and, and place you as he wants to. Um, and I've got, um, and, and, and I, especially as a young coach, you probably saw, you mentioned my Twitter, I've got first Corinthians nine twenty two on there. And it's, and it's when Paul says, I became all things to all people. And I think mm. as a coach, as a, as a young coach, kind of learning that that's our job as, as coaches and as leaders in, in communities like this is learning to be a lot of different things to a lot of different people that, that it's 2021. Now you can't be, just one, you can't kind of be set in your ways and mm. lead people and teach people and coach people uh, the same way. I think you've got to learn to adapt and learn to be a little bit of a chameleon and, and learn to work with and for and, and um, for a lot of different kinds of people. And I think those are the best sort, sorts of leaders that um, they can look at a room and know that I can lead every single one of them well, um, knowing that they're not all, all the same. Absolutely. I had a coach I was talking to uh, in class, a private, um, he was talking about scheme, but he said, my philosophy is to have no philosophy. Like you were saying, being a chameleon, like you have to be able to adapt to the situation you're in. Obviously you have your morals and your values and those things, but like the things that don't pertain to that, you need to hold those kind of loosely. Like, Hey, I need to be able to evolve to, to meet the needs of my team, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Coach, I thank you for coming on. Oh, you got on. We record this. We started recording this like at eight thirty p.m. Um, I really appreciate you doing this, and uh, man, I look forward to maybe doing one again here um, in a little bit. Yeah, let me know. I love it. I appreciate you having me on. Heck yeah, Coach. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. All right, you're welcome. Take it easy.